Welcome to the Electric Rodeo, an adult toy megastore podcast about sex, pleasure, relationships, and everything in between. I'm your host, Emma Hewitt, a sex educator and sex toy enthusiast. Every episode, I take a deep dive into a fascinating new topic, talk to experts, and answer common sex questions. Because sex is normal, messy, pleasurable, intimidating, and a hell of a lot of fun. Let's take a ride. Unless you spent 2021 living under a rock, I'm sure you all heard about the OnlyFans shitstorm that happened last year. And side note, respect to you if you did choose to spend last year under a rock, 2021 sucked. And in August, it got even worse, with OnlyFans stating that they would be removing all adult content from the website. And I know that some of you may be surprised to hear this, but there is actually other content on there. Chefs, educators, sports people, all sorts of other creators. But obviously it was the adult content that made OnlyFans the insanely popular platform that it is today, with 1.5 million creators and 170 million registered users. So of course there was an uproar from both the adult content creators and their fans, literally millions of them. Following this, OnlyFans backtracked and decided to suspend the removal of adult creators. But there was a lot more going on behind the scenes than just a sudden decision to ban adult content. It involves payment providers, the terrible sister and foster laws, and a well-funded anti-porn push from the conservative right in the USA. And that's why I have trust issues with OnlyFans. They are just constantly changing. It's just like being in an abusive relationship. It's like I don't know what I'm going to get on what day and I'm walking on eggshells trying to make this company happen when I'm not getting paid enough to deal with the stress. I'm chatting to Vixen Temple. She's a feminist witch, a sex worker, an activist, a podcast host, a writer, a performance artist, and she is well-versed in the de-platforming of sex workers on the internet. While the OnlyFans saga brought this to the attention of the public, this is nothing new. It started years ago with Tumblr, then PayPal and Stripe followed suit, and now Instagram, Facebook, and even OnlyFans are all jumping on the bandwagon. In this episode, we talk about what deplatforming sex on the internet looks like and why it is such a complicated issue. But I start by asking Vixen to tell me how she got her start in the world of sex work and activism. Absolutely. So I've always grown up in the theatre world. I've been doing drama since I was a little girl. I'm a very whimsical child. I just love to perform. I love to dress up. And as I got older, I studied theatre at university. I have a Bachelor of Arts in Film Media Theatre Communication. So once I graduated uni, I was wanting to find a job that I could get paid to perform and stripping just seemed to match with that. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I had been selling nudes on the internet. I was a big cosplay girl back in the day. So I was doing lots of cosplay porn. That was heaps of fun. And I just discovered that something about sex work just really resonates with me. As you mentioned, I identify as a witch as well. So I'm a feminist witch. I have been practicing witch since I was 17. And I just found that sex work and magic is very interconnected. The more I look about the history of sex work and the ancient rituals that were held and sex workers were these sacred divine beings. And I really resonate with that. So as I started dabbling in the world of sex work, you know, 
censorship came in and then my sex work became sex work activism because I was constantly having to fight for not only my rights, but the rights of the sex workers around me that I greatly care for. So over time, I've joined a strippers collective called Strippers United, formerly known as Soldiers of Pole, and we just work together to try and raise awareness of the issues that us sex workers do face. And that's, I guess, a short, brief summary of the sort of work I do. I also have a blog and podcast where I hope to elevate and educate the general public on what it means to be a sex worker and to answer those questions that they might be too afraid to answer and then just give them a insight into the industry from someone that actually has an experience within it. And you're also an ATMS affiliate. <laughs> I am, and I am, and you can use my code Vixen Temple 10 for 10% yes. off. But yes, that happened actually a year ago. I joined the affiliate program and I've had a lot of fun. <laughs> I use the toys for my porn. I love to make my porn educational to show people putting on the lube and the condoms and all that awkward stuff that usually gets cut <laughs> out. So yeah, I'm really loving my affiliate program. It's great to be able to help people connect to themselves through their sexual pleasure because I think we live in such a sex negative society mm-hmm. and I really want to change that. So it's so cool to be able to encourage people to connect to themselves through their self-pleasure. And we're so happy to have you as part of that program too. Thank you. Now I want to talk about online censorship, but first, can we talk a little bit about OnlyFans? I feel like it's opened up some really serious conversations about online sex work and the censorship that you all face on a day-to-day basis. So what's your experience been with OnlyFans? Am I correct that you've used it in the past, but you're no longer using it? Correct. So as I mentioned, I first entered sex work doing online sex work. Originally, I had a private Snapchat that I would sell 50 bucks a month. You get unlimited you know, access to my content that I post every day, nudes, videos, strip. You can request custom content mm-hmm. as well. When I moved from Otipoti up to Tamaki Makoro, I started dancing at a strip club and everyone there used OnlyFans and they were talking it up to me so much. And it was really, this was back in what, like, 2019 when OnlyFans was Mm -hmm. really starting to take over and as we all know it was really big people knew it as a porn site they knew that it was sex workers there's all the memes of I'm gonna start selling feet pics on (laughs) OnlyFans and blah 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 but people know it was a porn Mm -hmm. site so I made the switch from Snapchat to OnlyFans thinking like cool my friends make a lot of money off it like I've got a good enough following of my Snapchat I'm struggling to promote that through my Instagram because of Foster and Sister Mm -hmm. so maybe if I switch to OnlyFans I might be able to gain more of a following but I actually didn't I I lost a lot of money being on OnlyFans. A lot of my regular buyers didn't want to swap to that platform. They were happy on Snapchat. So it was a a big risk I took that actually decreased my profit. And then on top of that, OnlyFans would just keep changing their payout things. We had the whole Bella Thorne Mm. scandal, which meant that they put a cap on tips. They just kept constantly changing our means of making money. And it was very stressful during the time of lockdown when everyone took to OnlyFans. So I made the choice to leave at the start of this year when they took six weeks to pay me out. They kept changing the payment. All of my friends, we were contacting our bank because OnlyFans were saying it was the bank's fault. We contacted the bank. They said, no, it's OnlyFans' fault. They're the ones with your money. So it was me and all of my friends messaging each other in groups. Have you been paid yet? Have you been paid yet? Hey, try it this way. Hey, you can get it out in small doses. Mm. I had that money that I had to spend on my bond. I was so stressed. I decided it's not worth the stress anymore. So I deleted my OnlyFans And then a few months later, they announced that they were going to ban porn. And their reason being is that apparently they couldn't get fundings from banks because banks weren't allowing porn to be a means of profit, which also links back to Foster Sister Mm -hmm. and the online censorship laws. So 
while I can understand their, their dilemma, they really should have fought and advocated for the people that made them billionaires, trillionaires, I'm sure, at this yeah. point. And so when they reversed that ban, it just reminded sex workers that we're disposable even to the companies that we build up mm-hmm. from nothing. So it put a lot of stress on our shoulders to have to look for alternatives. So that's why I chose to leave. Yeah. And that's why I have trust issues with OnlyFans. They are just constantly changing. One minute they say that they're advocating for sex workers, then they're reversing the policies and then they're bringing it back. It's just like being in an abusive relationship. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to get on what day and I'm walking on eggshells trying to make this company happen when I'm not getting paid enough to deal with the stress. Yeah. Have you found that other people that you know or have worked with uh, have followed suit as well? Has there been quite a big shift away from OnlyFans since those changes were put in place? Honestly, yes and no, which is a very annoying answer to give, but it's the truth. It's it's very down the middle. I have people that have had such a big following on OnlyFans that they're prepared to stay on it because it's where their money is. And I always say to people, just stay where your money is. Trust your intuition. Don't go with the flow of what all other sex workers Mm -hmm. are doing. Do what feels right for you. So I have nothing against my friends that chose to stay on that platform. If it works for them, that's fantastic. However, at the moment, I'm using Fansly or Minivids, which is still, you know, new Mm -hmm. and I'm telling people to be cautious, but I think the best advice I could give to sex workers is having multiple platforms because as we've seen with OnlyFans is that within a second, our income can be gone. And that is very, very scary. So are there no protections in place for basically any of the content creators that use that platform? You can just be dropped like that. Is that correct? That is, yeah, that is the scary thing about being an online sex worker in particular is that you don't have job security Mm. and it's something that sex workers in all areas under the term sex work struggle with. You know, we have strip club managers that threaten to terminate our contracts, same with brothel managers and all that. So sex work is so liberating and empowering in many ways, but then in other ways there's a lot wrong with it in the sense that our job security is so up in the Mm. air, especially with online. We are not contracted to these sites, which is good because it means that we're independent contractors. We set our own prices and all that, but it does make it that bit scary when we can wake up one day and there's updated policies that, you know, I had all this content deleted because I use a lot of fake blood. I do gory shit. And I woke up one morning to all of my bloody videos taken down and all of my fans messaging me like, hey, where's your video? I really like that one. Did you take it down? And I'm like, no. OnlyFans updated their policies or the morning I woke up and I couldn't get a $100 video sent to a person. I had to send it in two parts for $50 each and they didn't want to do that. It was very frustrating. So that is definitely the uncertainty of being an online sex worker. We don't have job security. Mm. We don't have protections. And when things like this go wrong, that's why I always say to people, you've got to unionize with your friends. It's really important that we do advocate for each other. As much as it was frustrating, it does go to show the power of our voice when we band together and go, hey, no, screw you guys. Mm. They reversed it, but I still went, nah, screw you guys, it's too late. (laughs) You've lost me. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Now, you did mention there a little bit about the payment provider side of things. So I do want to talk about that a little more. I know that in October of 2021, MasterCard made changes to their adult policies, which meant that All content had to be approved before publication, that models needed to provide a valid ID, and they also needed a model release form for each video that they uploaded. I mean, OnlyFans has overwhelmed million creators. How can they possibly, 
you know, look at all of those videos before they go up. So I think it's safe to assume that they're going to use AI to do this. But as we've seen time and time again, all of this facial recognition software is shown to discriminate against both people of colour and also the trans community as well. So two communities that are already completely marginalised. So how have these changes affected adult creators on a like a day-to-day basis? Do you have any stories or example of those that have been really impacted by this? Yeah, absolutely. I would also like to add that black trans sex workers are the people that really are the reason that we have sex worker rights today. They really advocated mm. in the past for our rights. So I really just want to acknowledge that. And it is, you're right, it is very frustrating that these things target these type of people. So I have essentially recently been working through Netthing Australia to try and advocate against these laws. Now, in theory, you can hear them and understand, oh, that sounds cool. Like we're evaluating everything that goes online, model release forms that in theory sounds great. Mm. But as you mentioned, it doesn't work out like this. If you look at it in the sense that they are actually going to specifically target queer, trans, anyone that isn't a cis, hetero, abled-bodied, white Mm. person is essentially viewed as derogatory, hate speech, solicitation, which is infuriating. And I definitely see it affecting my friends who are trans or not cis Mm. more than me but even I still get impacted by these laws as a skinny cis white girl so it is very alarming for that regard I don't have any personal Mm. examples but I am seeing it as being a part of a collective I have a lot of people emailing me and messaging me I'm in a lot of discord chats with other sex workers so I am firsthand hearing other people explaining their frustrations so absolutely yeah and I'm very against that model identification thing for the things you said. They are just trying to make the internet this very whitewashed, straight, hetero, male gaze porn. And it's frustrating because I don't make that sort of porn. My porn's for the queer gaze. My porn's for, you know, people that are into the weird things that I'm into. And I don't think even my porn would pass that policy. So it's extremely frustrating that they're trying to censor our access to porn. It's so boring. That's such boring porn. I want to see variety. I don't just want to see skinny, white, hetero people all the time. Yeah, and who are they to dictate what we watch? They're a payment provider. That's, it shouldn't be up to them. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing that frustrates me the most is that they're just the payment provider. Why do they get to dictate what's allowed and what's not? Like, you don't know what it is that our people want. You're not the one working in this job. And that's, I think, the frustrating things. These people come in with all these policies that they think will protect sex workers and they just shout over us going, no, actually, this isn't helping. And they're like, no, no, it's helping. It's okay. Don't listen to her. She's a whore. Now, it looks like OnlyFans did take a bit of the heat for those MasterCard changes, which I I do think is fair. However, they are one of the biggest credit card platforms in the world, and those changes were actually across all of the people that use MasterCard as a provider. So has it impacted any of the other sites that you use as well? Yes, I know that a while back people were having issues with PayPal. Mm. I know that Patreon back in the day used to be like the OG OnlyFans. I remember back in uni seeing all the cosplay girls on Patreon and then, yeah, yeah, that MasterCard thing affected PayPal and all that. So absolutely, it does affect these sites. And that's why 
I get asked a lot as a sex worker, would you all prefer just to have your own sites that you could promote mm. onto? I'm like, yes, of course. If I had the knowledge on how to make a site, I would. But then there goes into the question of what payment scheme will we get to come in? Because we don't feel that there's any payment schemes out there that are safe for sex workers, mm-hmm. especially in countries where it's illegal. So in New Zealand, in Aotearoa, sex work is completely decriminalized. You can profit and make an income off sex work but in countries like America where these laws are coming Mm. from it's illegal so of course they're going to ooze over to our politics over here in our current climate and despite the fact that it's fully decriminalized here it's going to create a lot of those negative stigmas which is very nerve-wracking so yeah these payment companies are really making things go backwards in terms of a sex positive society and a safe sex culture because this actually is how you put people in danger of being trafficked to be completely honest with you. So let's talk about these laws then because these are the sister and foster laws and I think that maybe people in Aotearoa and Australia don't know all that much about these laws, haven't necessarily heard about them. So what kind of impact have they had on the sex work industry globally? Can you talk to us a bit more about what these laws are actually all about? Absolutely. So essentially, FOSTER, SESTA, it stands for Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, and SESTA stands for the Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act. It was this law that was implemented during the era of Trump, so need I say mm, more, of where it was an anti-sex work law disguised as an anti-sex trafficking law. So you look at the optics, it sounds amazing, like, okay, we're going to make it harder for people to sex traffic by blocking payments, but it also applies to consensual legal sex work as well. Mm. So essentially Foster and Sister made any website, any platform responsible for the distribution of adult content, regardless of whether it was consensual or not. Websites weren't prepared to battle that. So they decided to just put a whole ban on not safe for work content, which especially affected Facebook and Instagram. You still see a lot of nudity on Twitter because they're not bought by Mark Zuckerberg, but especially on Instagram and Facebook, they did not want to be responsible for harboring what could be interpreted as illegal porn or sex trafficking, which is the frustrating grey area that sex trafficking is entirely separate from sex work and sex workers are some of the people on the front line trying to advocate against sex trafficking. But We saw this happen back in Tumblr when they banned porn. It was the same thing there. They just no longer wanted to be held responsible for what some were coming out to be like, hey, maybe this isn't ethical, maybe this is bad porn, which I'm all for ethical Mm -hmm. porn. And by having ethical porn, it's buying it directly from the content provider instead of banning it entirely. It's pushing us out of online work and pushing us into the arms of people and predators that we used to have the the privilege to pick and choose our clients. Mm-hmm. But when you take away our our accessibility to profit off of our sex work, we have to put ourselves into these dangerous situations just to make money. And it's frustrating. And you hear people go, why don't you get a real job? It is a real job. I'm providing a fucking service and I'm getting paid for mm-hmm. it and I pay tax. Mm. <laughs> Is it safe to assume that these laws were started by extremely conservative, probably religious groups in the US? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Again, as I mentioned, it's like taking away abortion laws won't stop abortions. It just makes them more dangerous. You take away sex worker rights. It doesn't stop sex work. Mm -hmm. It just means that we can't go to the police when things go wrong, which makes us get trafficked more likely. So it is extremely frustrating and it's scary. And I really think people don't understand how much these laws are even affecting us. Australia has been decriminalized, but I still can't 
sell my porn online without having to censor myself. I lost a whole Instagram page. I lost my whole Vixen Temple blog page due to these censorship laws. And I didn't even post nudity. I posted sex workers not consent. So these are just very, I would say, heteronormative Christian or Catholic people, very conservative Americans trying to uphold that white picket fence American dream of the nuclear family that does not allow room for anyone that doesn't fall outside of that two gender binary. And it's very sad to see us progressing backwards as a society. We should be going forward. We should be showing the world all of the versatility of us all instead of just trying to push this agenda that we're all boring, straight cis white people. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a very boring narrative. Yep. So, Vixen, is there anything that we can do to combat these laws? I know that a lot of your work is around that. So what can someone like me do to help to make some change here? I think keep an eye on the laws and when they come out, you can send submissions to the government to say why these won't actually benefit the way they do. Really read their submissions and see what it is they're trying to advocate Mm. for and use their words against them and say, you claim that you're trying to do this, but I have friends within this industry that claim otherwise. Use my voice as an example. Say that Vixen Temple (laughs) told you that sex workers are not okay with this. What we need from our allies, especially who aren't sex workers, Mm -hmm. is just to educate themselves. Stay aware. Keep listening to our voices. Not just mine. There's a lot of amazing sex workers out there. Like I'm just one amongst a swarm of beautiful humans. So follow sex workers. Listen to what we have to say about the laws and respect that we know our industry best. We know what laws and policies would be best for us. Mm -hmm. And elevate our voices. Have these conversations with your friends. They're difficult, but we appreciate them. It's just the best way to be an, an ally for any minority. People sadly listen to the allies more than the minorities sometimes. So if you want to be a sex worker ally, advocate for us, follow sex work voices, and please elevate our voices don't speak for Mm -hmm. us pass the mic to us now what do you see as the future of online sex work sex online pornography they're not going to go anywhere as you've said they have always been here they will always be here so what direction do you think the industry is headed in Right now, realistically, I'm concerned for the future of the industry because of all of these policies. But in a dream best case scenario world, it would just be that we were able to all have a designated site that, you know, make it R18. I know that everyone's always going on about what about the children? Well, we can create R18 specific websites and even Instagram too. I want these policies to change. I want to be able to go back to a sex positive culture that my friends who make posts about how to bind your chest Mm. aren't going to be deleted, you know? I want to see a world where there's access for people that don't just look like the two gender binary to learn about themselves. The internet could be this beautiful, vast pool of knowledge for people. It helped me a lot. Tumblr helped me discover my sexuality and so much about myself, and it breaks my heart that the future generation might not have access to the internet in the way that I once did. Like, remember the early 2000s? The internet was wild, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I do (laughs) think... I do think, you know, there was a lot of things I saw as a kid that I shouldn't have. So there's ways to make the internet child friendly, but also understand that children become teenagers who hit puberty and have questions that sometimes their parents can't answer. They should have access to people who can ethically provide them with those answers, to sex educators, and then when they get older, to porn creators that can... Actually, porn stars can make great sex educators. So that's my dream for the future, a sex-positive internet that shows the versatility of humanity. We're not just hetero. We're not just 
a white man and a white woman and a penis and a vagina. There's so many beautiful ways to have sex and to make love and to please yourself. And I just want to see that more. I sincerely hope that that is the future that we can expect to. Fingers crossed. We're manifesting. I manifest every time I have an orgasm, I think sex positive society. So you do that too, listeners at home. (laughs) We'll start right away. And yeah, all of you listeners need to do that too, please. (laughs) Go get yourself the Satisfier Pro, use my code, and then have an orgasm and think sex positive world. And we will heal this world together through our orgasms. Vixen, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your insights with us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Tenakwe. You've been listening to the Electric Rodeo podcast for Adultoy Megastore, produced by Sound Cartel. Follow Electric Rodeo free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And for more sex and relationships explained, follow at Electric Rodeo Podcast on Instagram. Mm-hmm.